Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Bulls fans, and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast here on a Thursday evening. Uh, Thank you for joining us here to talk about Formula One. We're not talking about the Bulls. We're talking about Formula One. I'm pivoting. William, do you have any, you know, just grand thoughts about Lewis Hamilton leaving Mercedes and joining Ferrari? I know you're a big F1 fan. My only thought was that I saw you tweeted about it, and that, that was the only time that I ever hear about it but also that I ever hear you interested in it. So that's my thought on it. It is the biggest thing to happen to me in a long time. I would love to talk about it in more depth, but um, unfortunately, this is a Bulls podcast. So let's pivot to that. What are we talking about today, William? Probably not much, I would imagine. At least in the We're going to talk about not much happening. happening. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Bulls potentially. Uh, there's some reporting over the last couple of days. Uh, bracing fans for the reality that uh, a trade may not be coming for the Chicago Bulls here from Darnell Mayberry. Casey had some good reporting in his latest mailbag from this morning uh, regarding Caruso and DeRozan's situation. So we'll talk about that. But also, I think just bigger picture, like why the Bulls are in this situation and why it's important that we kind of discuss why they're in this situation, because that obviously informs the future and how they're going to manage things going forward. Which, uh, which we also should get to. So a lot to discuss today, a lot to discuss about not much happening. Yes, sadly, uh, there will be no Lewis Hamilton to Chicago type of breaking news, unfortunately, but um, it's going to be a lot of probably nothing. As you said, we're sort of, the reporting is sort of bracing the situation whereby the Bulls do nothing. And you mentioned Darnell's reporting, Casey's reporting as well. But even beyond those reports, like assuming those reports didn't exist, and I'm not saying that we should, you know, not not take into account or factor in those particular reports because they are helpful and they help, I guess, inform the situation as is. But based on previous reporting, but also just understanding the pulse of the team, like when you go through the list of players, if they're not prepared to move Demar and Caruso, if they, you know, correctly don't want to move on from Kobe, Pat, Io, even Julian and Dalen, because they're the young guys, they're potentially the future, they're the next iteration of this team. If we can assume guys like Vooch don't have positive value just because his play doesn't make sense versus, or his production doesn't add up to the contract, then you don't really have many options beyond the whole Zach Levine thing. And we have all done that to death, haven't we, about the, the fact that there seemingly isn't much options around Zach Levine. The rest of the league doesn't really isn't really interested in Zach. So at that point, it's like, yeah, okay. It makes sense that they're probably not going to do anything. Now, obviously, there's still a week to go. A lot of things can change on the bull side, but also for the rest of the league too. But based on the reporting, but also, like I said before, just based on what we as fans understand about this team, the dynamic, who AK is, what he has said, what we can interpret that to be, we should be bracing ourselves for a pretty quiet deadline this time next week, I believe is the deadline. So... This time next week, I'm not sure if we'll be going to be talking much more than <laughs> why the Bulls did nothing again. Yeah, uh, latest reporting from Darnell yesterday from his column 
He said, quote, a week uh, with a week remaining before the NBA's trade deadline, uh, few within or around the Chicago Bulls organization anticipate the franchise making a major move. If the Bulls swing a deal before the February 8th deadline, most will be surprised. It's not that the Bulls can't make a trade, but there's a prevailing belief that the front office won't commit to something substantial. Um, I think this is pretty much kind of what you're hitting on. Like this, this is the reporting or uh, informed sort of estimating that, like you're saying, I mean, they kind of are in a position where they can't make any moves because the only moves that they have to make are bad moves. Uh, they're in a position, but self-imposed, where their most important players are more valuable to them than they are to the rest of the league. And when I say that, I'm talking about obviously Demar and Crusoe in particular, who they've, based on you know the the aspirations that they have, the goals that they have for themselves, they want to be in the playing tournament. And so, in order for that to happen, you really need to covet the guys that can help you get there. So even though those guys might have value on, around the league. And I'm not sure what's exactly there for Demar, what's exactly there for Crusoe. We can talk more about them specifically in a bit. Um, mm -hmm. But like those are your trade chips. And if they matter more to you than they would to any other team, then it's going to be hard for another team to come in and blow you away with a deal that you can't say no to. Obviously, for Zach, the situation is not quite the same. He is effectively a toxic asset right now. I mean, I don't want to like quote anybody in saying that, but like teams are not interested in taking him on. Uh, his money is enormous. And I think as Casey kind of said during pregame of the uh, mm. broadcast last night, like this is not a commentary necessarily on Zach Levine's quality as a player. Although, mm. you know, I, that's part of it. Um, like if, if Zach Levine were a top 10 player in the league, he would be so good that whatever money he's making doesn't matter. He's worth it. But the mm -hmm. fact that he's not that caliber of player and because he's making money that is on that level on top of the fact that he's missed a lot of time, that he's had previous knee procedures, that he did not play well this year when he was healthy. Um, all those things kind of culminate in him not having any value. And then you look at all these rules uh, coming in around the league with teams not really being able to put all of their cap savings into one caliber of player like that. That becomes a very dangerous proposition for a lot of teams. So I think teams are just really not interested. We've obviously heard about the Pistons. Haven't really heard your take too much on that. So we can talk about that if you want. But I mean, that's it. Because like you're saying, I mean, they're not trading any of the young guys. I don't think that really makes sense. Um, you know, investing picks and young players at this point into doubling down on a team that at this point is kind of like, like it or not, pivoting towards that youth movement. Um, you know, with the way that Damar has kind of slightly declined this year, with the way that Kobe in particular has really elevated. Kobe is a major factor in the Bulls' success this year to where like they can't really mm -hmm. afford to trade him if they want to still be competitive and understanding that you're maybe now most important player in your you know next 10 years of the franchise is 23 years old i mean i think it would do him a disservice and he's obviously not ready to like be the best guy in a championship team today but i, I think it does a, him a disservice if you start to reload around demar at this point so they really are in a position where there just aren't a lot of moves to make and I don't know what you would have to say about this. I've just done a lot of rambling, but like the idea that I think a lot of people are just like, you got to make a trade. You got to make a trade. Do you think that the idea of just like making a trade just to make a trade and say they did is the right approach here? Or do you think that they, that, that it would be at this point, given their goals and we can criticize those goals, you know, later on the show, do you think that it's better to stand pat and, you know, avoid making a bad move? It depends. And it depends depending on who you're talking about. Like more generally, I don't think they need to make the trade just to make the trade. But in relation to someone like Caruso, for example, who currently has value and he's one of the rare bulls that seemingly does have value on the trade market. Like I think you have to seriously entertain that. I've spoken about Zach, uh, sorry, DeMar DeRozan. Like I think there's a world where not doing anything with DeMar assuming on it depending on the deal that you could get back for Demar. If, if i have to take on salary to trade Demar and i only get like a second round pick or something like that because he's 34 he's in year 15 he's expiring if the value is what it is then i would just rather let Demar walk than having to take on guaranteed contracts just to say i did something for Demar. same thing with vooch like okay cool i could probably trade vooch but i would probably have to trade something i want as well with him in order to facilitate a trade I understand the want and need to do something and I feel that too and I would like that too. 
But if it doesn't come, then you can still pick a lane, you can still pick direction, but you have to execute that at the draft, you have to execute that next offseason. So if, for example, like using DeMar, it may not make sense to trade him right now because one of the goals of the team more generally trying to get in the play-in. But if all you're getting back in offers, in offers is not ideal and you have to take on money and it's not worth it and it impacts your flexibility going forward, then don't trade DeMar. Just let him walk in the in in the uh, off-season. The time to do the DeMar trade was this time last year. They didn't do that. So it is what it is now. And you don't need to... If you want to move on from DeMar, I, I don't think you have to necessarily trade him. So it, it needs to be more nuanced than they have to do something. But I also understand why fans do think they have to do something because they've done nothing for almost three years now. So I see both sides. You don't do something just to do something bad. Obviously, the connotation is when someone says do something, it's something positive. But the issue around that is what we talked about before, that the only pieces that potentially could net you something positive, like a Caruso, this team, it seems wedded to the idea that they need to keep him around because he does have positive value. So it is circular in in its nature from that point of view. So if you're wanting to keep your positive guys around, your positive assets, you don't want to use them in the trade market, you can't move those... the, the, the poorer assets like like a Zach or a Vooch or whomever it may be, or even Javon Carter at this stage, if you can't move them in trade, then then you are stuck in that situation by design. Why? Because you're putting yourself in that situation like you touched on. So I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a thing that needs more nuance than you have to do it or you can't do it or whatever. But it's I, I don't know what the right answer to that is. And I guess the, the, the piece around this that calls it all is the fact that there's just been so much inactivity for the last two to three years. Had the Bulls done some holistic things in the offseason or even the previous deadline, then maybe there isn't a need or fans wouldn't have this impetus to say the Bulls need to do something. But because we've effectively watched the same roster for the last three seasons, I I do get the sentiment. Yeah, Uh, a couple of interesting comments here. Dre saying you need to do something. You can't stay put and expect to get better. I think this is a maybe a common misconception about the team is that they want to get better. Like, I think there's a cost yeah. to doing that, right? Like they are where I think they want to be. Clearly, I think if they ended up being a six seed, I think they'd be thrilled, but I don't think they're willing to do what is necessary to become a six seed. I think that's the issue with not paying luxury tax. I think that's the issue with not having a plan and making moves that, you know, action you towards that that plan. So um, not to say that, like, I don't think they want to win or anything like that but i just don't think that they're willing to make the tough decisions or are capable or able to make the tough decisions right now because of the situation that they're in now they're in that situation because of some of the decisions that they made in the past and doubling down on their roster so i'm not like excusing that i think that's like not an excuse whatsoever but i do think that that's kind of the reality of the situation is they feel like all right we've got kobe who's playing a lot better you know, maybe Zach comes back and he's able to do something. Maybe we can trade him for somebody that helps out a little bit. You still have DeMar been playing much better since, you know, Zach went down. Like that is progress, I think, in in their eyes. And they feel like, you know, if we draw Orlando in the first play-in game or we, you know, play, who is it, the Nets right now in the 9-10 game, host a play-in game and then have to go play the loser of Miami, Orlando, like they probably feel pretty good about making the playoffs. And I think a lot of this, anger from the fan base kind of goes away if that's the case. Now, I don't think any of that changes the bigger picture issues and questions that I have about this team and the longer term uh, situation that they're in. But I think that's the reality because I don't really think that they know what I think that beyond like we want to get to the playoffs, they don't really have a plan of like changing stuff in order to get to a different level than they're at right now. And so they're not going to do anything. There's not a lot of pressure internally to do anything that's really different. So, um, yeah, I think that this idea of like, they have to do something because they want to get better. They have to do something because they want to pick a lane and change directions. Like they've picked the lane, they've changed directions. They're in the direction that they want to head. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that like you're saying, Dre, like it would be great if they decided that they wanted to, continue to invest in the Kobe direction of this team, or they wanted to, you know, strip down some parts and trade Caruso or DeMar or whatever. Um, but it just doesn't really seem like that accomplishes 
their main goal, which is to be competitive in the play-in and try to scrape out a play playoff turn, uh, playoff appearance. Yeah, and Dre's got another comment here saying, like, I wish, I wish they, and I'm assuming they meaning ownership and management. I wish they would talk to the fans or media more just to let us know what the plan is instead of getting uh, instead of us guessing based off hearsay. And I get the sentiment there, but I would say the Bulls have been very clear about what they are trying to be or who they want to be. They want to be that competitive team that can fight for a playoff seed every single time. I think Jerry has been very clear on the fact that he is not going to pay for a winner. There's that quote that will never die about him. You know, give. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here because uh, I don't have it in front of me, but in terms of just giving fans hope or building a team that's good enough to to keep fans engaged for the majority of the season, and then that you've done what you've needed to do from thereafter. And cool, if you're winning the postseason, that's great. But if you don't, then you've hit the bare minimum. So, and obviously Michael Runsoff too has gone on record saying that they will pay they they will pay the tax for a winner. But obviously the conundrum there is they're not willing to maybe do all the stuff to to get to that winning stage. So this isn't a team. And I was nodding my head there when you were speaking, but like, this isn't a team that's striving for something more. Like, they've been very clear about who they want to be, what they are, all these sorts of things. So I, I don't understand why people don't see that. Maybe we don't want to hear that or see that because we we expect uh, these organizations, these teams, these franchises to have the same desires and the same wants and the and the fact that they wanted it yesterday like we kind of do. But that's not always the case. Uh, the Reinsdorf run this thing as a business, not as a sporting venture. They're not wedded to this idea that this needs to be championships every single season. And because of that, like that's part of the reasons why we are in the situation we are. So I would argue the Bulls are very transparent. They've made it very clear as to who they are, what they want to be. And we, whether we want to accept it or not, I guess that's on us. But I think they are very, very clear on who they want to be, sadly. Yeah. And, you know, we can maybe hit on uh, Caruso and DeMar specifically here, uh, just because I think that kind of informs like the direction stuff. Casey also had a comment about like, you know, Arturis being very clear about the direction that he wants to go. And I think that ties in nicely with what we're talking about. But maybe first we can take a quick break here to talk about some friends of ours. We'll start with Foco. Well, I believe I'm hosting today, William. So uh, it's interesting that you've decided to divert or structure the conversation in a certain way let's say but um, yes i will happily oblige and read an ad here about our friends at foco friends if you want to get fitted out in the best sports gear going around if you want to get yourself some hoodies some shoes some signs some bobbleheads or everything in between our friends at foco is the hookup if you jump online uh go to their website use promo code chgo10 you will get 10% off non-presale items. So whether you're into jackets, beachwear, overalls, whatever it might be, our set decorations here at the CHGO studios, it's all decorated by our friends and at FOCO and all the cool gear that they have available. So if you're into your merch, collectibles, all that sort of stuff, if you want to rep your teams, even your, you know, your Chicago Bulls teams, pal, maybe you want to get yourself a Lewis Hamilton Ferrari hat, something like that. I don't know if, if Foco have got a stock just yet, but I'm tipping they will soon enough. But that is the the the, the place you go. Foco, use promo code CHGO10 for 10% off non-presale items at foco.com. William, who's next? Empire Today. Empire. Empire Today. Our friends at Empire Today. Because with Empire Today, you get to shop with the at-home convenience for the right products for your needs with quick and professional installation and a low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring. So of course they have copycats, but Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, or speed. So competitors advertise low quality products that Empire simply would not carry. Empire won't promise lowest prices because they know that anybody who's putting those floors in their homes would not be putting their floors in their own homes. They keep shopping floors with simple and curated product selection, which you can find on their website, Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, but not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively comes through thousands of products, making each year, uh, they comb through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. They've got a virtual floor designer, which is a great way to see how the new floors will look in any space. It's easy. You snap a picture and you instantly see how the new floors will look in your room. 
Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was in plumbing yesterday. Flooring is all Empire does. They live and breathe flooring, so you can be confident that you are getting honest and upfront advice. They have service-owned warranties, so if any issues do arise, just call Empire. They service all warranties themselves. You won't have to track down a manufacturer's phone number at all. So schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. Thank you, William. And this is exciting. We've got some breaking news. A landscaping trade. Stephen Adams, as our friends in the comments here, Esteban, A.TV, and Bobby, they're letting us, alerting us to the fact that Stephen Adams has been traded from the Grizzlies to the Houston Rockets for Victor Oladipo and some picks. So that's some interesting. Bit of a, a salary dump situations. I think it's three second-round picks per Woj. Mm-hmm. Huge. Huge move. Tremendous, the but, inclined, <laughs> the but entire I think dynamic of the of of the of, uh, the NBA. Maybe this is the kind of move that that fans are just they'll, they'll take anything because you know this is not something that's obviously going to affect either team this year. Like no. Oladipo is not playing, Adams is not playing. These three second round picks are going to uh, to Memphis. That will kind of likely become either you know rotation, hopefully rotation guys for them down the line, or be packaged again in another deal. Um, but like, this is the kind of move that clears up space. It's like a roster changing move that, that has longer term implications. And, you know, it's not super exciting or flashy or anything like that, but I mean, Steven Adams was a big part of what Memphis did when they were good. And so they realized they're kind of moving on from him and, you know, doing, taking steps towards like clearing out some cap and putting themselves in a better position. I think that's even just that would be something that the bulls would benefit from of like clearing out some space somehow. And, you know, obviously you want to get as much as you can for, for Zach, if there's a suitor out there who's willing to give up assets, but like maybe it comes down to the salary element of it. And I've kind of been coming around on that myself over the last couple days here. So obviously not, not a super exciting trade, but uh, it maybe is kind of laying the groundwork for something else that happens. Hmm. Some slop there, some live slop, but it's good to hear that I'm slowly but surely getting you to come over to the salary, uh, Zach Levine salary dump side. <laughs> I've, I've been working on this angle for quite some time. This has been months in the making, but um, at least I'm taking credit for this. Maybe someone else has been doing it. Um, but I'm going to take credit. Well, I just, I don't want them to get to a, I don't want them to get to a point where they're going to have to attach a pick to get off of him. Yeah. yeah. And if they can get out of that situation this year, um, you know, maybe they do hang on to him and try it again this summer, but like the pressure I think will be on this summer even more than it is right now, because now you have to get off of him if you want to bring back tomorrow. Yeah. And maybe you don't want to bring back tomorrow. Maybe you do go to a different direction. Um, but it just seems like anything that they kind of want to do for their future is being held up by this Zach situation. And until that gets resolved, it's kind of hard to do anything. And again, that's part of this like level of paralysis that they're in right now because they just they can't do anything with their with the Lonzo and the Zach contracts on their books with you know this idea that they have to try to compete um I don't know like where do you where do you stand on the fact that they could be competitive for a, in the plan to get to the playoffs even if they did trade Caruso for a pick and just to kind of lay some context here uh Casey put in his column today uh the talk of him, Caruso, fetching multiple first-round picks is exaggerated, or at least it is based on the conversations I've had with rival team executives. He would certainly be coveted at a lesser price tag. What I've heard is uh, a pick and a player. I think that's like a, a, a selling point that I would feel very good about. If it's like just one pick that's like in the teens, I don't know. I don't. Is that? Do you feel like that's worth it at this point, or do you feel like there's more to maybe try this again next year or this summer? Do you feel like they could? Uh, just be in a better position to just keep him than get, you know, a pick that may end up in the teens or the twenties down the line. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a player on this team that impacts winning more than Alex Caruso, including DeMar and Kobe. Um, I feel strongly about that. So I think trading Caruso this season would impact their playing ability. I still think they potentially would be in the plane just based on the fact that the teams behind them, there's a bit of a gap formed. Uh, so that that certainly matters from that standpoint, but the Bulls are unequivocally worse without Caruso. 
but it might be the right decision to do because if you're not confident that you can extend Caruso or he hasn't given you any any indication that he wants to be here beyond his current deal, which extends or expires rather after next season. It's similar to the DeMar situation in that sense that you, if you don't do a deal now and you get into next season and the extension talks can't happen because either Caruso doesn't want to do it or the number he's asking is not at the number that the Bulls want to do, which again is very similar to the DeMar situation, then it is an opportunity cost from that point of view or potentially could be. So I I still think training Caruso is the main, is the right thing to do. I think it would impact the Bulls greatly. I don't think they can replace him on the court. I, I know you can have Io step into that role, but I don't think Io is, is as influential as Caruso in said role. But it could be a good thing from, from a development standpoint. It, it would obviously be a good thing from an asset management point of view too as well. But I don't know. Like it, it, it kind of makes sense. We've talked about this one to death as well. But yeah, if if the if he can if he can't fetch multiple firsts for Caruso and you have to settle for that one first round pick, I guess it, it then then becomes conditional in the sense of what type of first round pick are we talking? Are we talking about a real first or something that may, you know, tra- uh, convert into multiple seconds if it doesn't transfer over the, the over in this season upcoming sort of thing? So it, it's depending, I guess, which is not a great answer from my side, but. I guess that's the conditional nature of these sort of trades. Like it just depends on the value you're getting back. If I could guarantee that this pick that Caruso, if I'm only, if I have to settle for one pick, can I guarantee that I would get a pick in the 10 to 20 range? Then yeah, I would do it. But if I'm only getting one first back and it's going to be like the 28th pick in the draft or something like that, then I also understand the the sentiment of keeping him, you know, for this playoff run, assuming they make a playoff run. So you what can about, talk me into it, but it's conditional. What about, I'm just like playing around with the trade machine, of course, while we're doing this here. Of course. What if it's like the, I mean, I actually don't even know if this is possible because they might not be able to trade their pick, but let's say like on draft night or something, the Bulls are able to get the 22nd pick for Caruso and like Paul Reed from the 76ers. Like that's the kind of deal I would feel like not thrilled about, but like it would be good. You get a young player. Um, who can be helpful. You get a decent flyer on another draft pick. And now you just have like more assets in the chamber that you can use to move forward. Because I think like, and and this next thing that kind of goes into the DeRozan situation. um, I I think that this really kind of captures how I'm feeling about the team right now. KC writes DeRozan situation is trickier. He is valued internally at an extremely high level, not only for his on-court play, but for his off-court leadership and consistent demeanor and work ethic. But extension talks never advanced. Obviously, you'd run the risk of losing him for nothing should he hit unrestricted free agency, but DeRozan has said on the record that he'd like to finish his career here. So perhaps, and I want to stress this is my informed opinion, not reporting, the Bulls could re-sign him at a lower figure than he's making moving forward. Would another team use that much cap space to sign a 34 34-year-old DeRozan who's currently making 28-6. Again, stay tuned. Um, like, to me, the idea of, okay, you bring back DeMar now for $25 million instead of 30 or for $20 million on a three-year deal or something. It's like, yes, that's like a better value and you can like maybe make some decisions based off of that in the future. Again, you're still kind of outbidding the rest of the market. Nobody else is going to touch that kind of money for DeMar, especially on that length of deal. Um, but this is exactly what happened with the Vooch situation last summer. They did not need to give him $20 million in a vacuum. Is he worth that for one season? Sure. But you're locking yourself into not only that player, but this same team because of the rest of your cap situation. So like for me, I, and you know, I think we agree on this for the most part, like the idea of having DeRozan around longer term, I think does benefit guys like Kobe and Patrick because he helps them play better and he takes offensive usage and attention away from them in a way that helps them, uh, th- that benefits them, that makes life yeah. easier on them, that makes offense easier to come by for them. Um, now, it maybe caps what they can do with the ball, but I don't think that we're necessarily in a rush to see them being the primary usage guys. But to me, like the the bigger issue with that is, yes, maybe that's like a better value play and it's worth it for that singular season. But to me, it's more about like the idea that you're now committing again to this core for three more years. That's really kind of feels wrong to me. 
Well, I don't think they necessarily want to commit to this core again because they're trying to trade Zach, right? So that's a pretty big sign that they're not necessarily trying to keep things exactly the same way that it is. Now, if you get a trade for Zach, depending on the return for Zach and, and whether, again, this is very conditional. Um, so Let's say it's just um, a salary dump because I think that's how you kind of have to think about the okay. core, like this, this team well, without Zach. Well, let's 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 use a Detroit type deal where you're getting Bogdanovich, who I believe, if he's not an uh, expiring, has the ability to be an expiring. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that. Um, no, but right. James Wiseman as well, I believe this is year four for him, so that would potentially be an expiring as well. Like if if that's the deal, and maybe you get some seconds involved or or a distant first that's protected, whatever the deal might look like. If the Zach's off the books, if let's see what happens with the Lonzo situation, if he's medically retired and that comes off the books. There goes $60 million from your cap. Obviously, you have to re-sign Pat and Damar, and maybe as, as a combination, that's $40 million there. But you net $20 million. The caps, the salary cap's increasing by, I think, 5 or $6 million as well. You do have the flexibility now to not be up against the, uh, the, the tax line where you can maybe use your full mid-level exception. So even though you're retaining key elements of this team there's still things you can do around it to make it not feel as samey if that makes sense by virtue of moving on from zach and getting in some new guys if for this season with bogdanovich that that would be helpful given that zach's barely played this season but obviously if you pivot away from bogdanovich as well and do something with your mid-level exception or maybe you don't resign demar and pat and you do something something a little bit differently there like you just get more more optionality to not be trapped into the core that they currently are if you make the Zach trade now and if the Lonzo thing happens. So I do think they're trying to keep elements of this core together. Like obviously all those young guys that we spoke about before, potentially Damar and Vooch too, and obviously Caruso. But if this team sans Zach, but you know, real role guys in place of Zach with those guys that you already have, where you can start to diminish DeMar's role, like instead of having to rely on DeMar being your lead option and playing 37 minutes a night because you don't have other guys who can feel that of you know feel that role. If you have if you use that optionality correctly and you actually get guys through and you can flip things a little bit and you can add two or three rotation guys who can actually impact the rotation, unlike you know, if someone like Javon Carter has been able to do or unable to do, then I think even if it largely remains somewhat the same, it will feel different, potentially function different. So you just got to do that to get that optionality. And this, we'll talk about this later, a little later on as to why maybe the Bulls can't make trades or what the real issue is. But that is part of it, I guess. So that's why I think they need to be keen to move on from Zach now, even in a salary dump, because there is an opportunity cost if you don't. And that opportunity cost, there's, there's a, number of, a number of things involved with it, but... That a key thing is you, you just can't move on. So that's why I, th- I don't think it necessarily would be signaling uh, that the same core is coming back or the same group is coming back and that it would look and feel the same because there is potential for it not to, even if certain things do return, like a demar. If they just completely salary dumped Zach, let's say they traded him for Joe Harris and James Wiseman and nothing else, no picks, no additional mm-hmm. young players, and both of those guys are expiring and they let him walk next year. They bring Damar back at 30 million. They bring Patrick back at 20. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Andre Drummond and Tory Craig. They are both free agents, or Tory Craig has a player option, I believe. And where they draft, I mean, that will affect the cap hold mm-hmm. uh, for that rookie spot. But you're still looking at a team that's over the cap. So this is not a team that can add a max player in free agency, even if there was somebody that you could point to and say, we want to get this guy in here now. That could change if Lonzo Ball's $21.4 million is wiped off the books due to the um, injury ending provision that they could uh, apply for. Um, but this is not this has not become like a max cap space team. It's right. it's a team that has Damar and Vooch and Kobe and Patrick and Caruso. And maybe you move Javon Carter, maybe not. You still got Io. You still got like the, the main six or seven guys, but maybe you like you, you're saying you bring in somebody uh, through the mid-level exception. Um, but it's, well, it's like, still very much like this core. But the, I think what the point you're trying to make is that you now have a little bit more flexibility to make different kinds of moves. And maybe you don't necessarily have any like major swings to make right now, but you've got time. You've got now more space away from this luxury tax that you are unable to cross to where 
you can take in more money and get a pick, or you can uh, just combine salaries and make a, a bigger trade somehow. So I do think that the the flexibility and optionality is great. And I think that's perhaps one of the reasons why they have not been able to do anything over the last three years. It's not just because that they don't feel like they want to or whatever. It's like they haven't been able to because they are literally at the tax line. I mean, like 300K yeah. below the tax right now. They can't do anything. Right. And look, point to the Knicks as an example. Like they use their full mid level exception or very close to it to sign someone like Dante DiVincenzo. They had done something similar previously with a guy like Josh Hart. Like these guys aren't dramatically changing who you are as a team in terms of you're not getting your first or second option, but you're adding real guys that can consume real minutes. That way you don't have to rely on Vooch and DeMar to the same degree. You are sort of doing a mini pivot to, uh, you know, a younger side of the team. Like as an example, Assuming Bruce Brown was to be a free agent, could you offer him a real bin-level type deal? Maybe. Like, is that someone that makes more sense on this team than Zach who's currently not playing or whoever? Like, because you are getting away from that tax, tax situation which you talked about, and you, you could use your full mid-level. You could use your biannual exception, which, like, this is part of the issue. Like, the Bulls have had the access to those uh, those tools to improve their team, but because of their tax situation, they haven't been using their full mid-level exception. They have not used their biannual exception this season, so it would be, would be available to them next offseason. So if you could use those because you're not in a tax crunch and you can add two or three real guys and instead of having a seven-man rotation, you've actually got a good and decent 10-man rotation, I think you could build a good and fun 45-win team, particularly if Kobe continues to make a leap, Io and Pat come with him, Dalen and Julian you know, improve as well. Who knows what they do with the 2024 draft pick? Like, I think there is scope for things to feel somewhat the same, but to be a little bit better, I guess is the point. But again, you just need to execute and you need to do it properly. And I think part of that is moving on from Zach. But again, let's let's see. But before we uh, close the podcast, so there's still got a lot to talk about, but I, I want to talk about our friends at Comed, who despite the balls, maybe not doing anything, our friends at Comed, they're, they're changing the world. It's, they are making it easier for businesses to switch to electrical ve- electrical vehicles. Excuse me. That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. Our friends at ComEd understand planning for the future and building for a sustainable future that's going to meet your electric energy needs as we all move with confidence towards an electric tomorrow. So whether you have one van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do, William? Well, they should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you want a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business. Good for the planet. Good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Comed.com slash clean. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations of draft picks to come. All righty, let's continue the conversation. We've sort of touched on it a little bit here, but part of the reason why we're expecting a quiet deadline is because of the limitations the Bulls are applying to themselves. And more, more breaking news, my friend. Oh, right, what you have off. we got? Joel, Joel Embiid, torn meniscus. That is tough. Jeez. Oh, that is awful. Well, um... Yeah, I've got some thoughts about that, that's for sure. Uh, a lot of thoughts centered around this 65-game stupid arbitrary line. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense to talk about that stuff. Maybe it does. But what it does, like, I think this dramatic You're hosting changes. the show, man. You've made it very clear. You can go in whatever direction you want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. If it was completely up to me, I would have been still talking about Lewis Hamilton going up to Ferrari. But So it's not all on me, to, to be fair. But what, I mean, let's put a bull's lens on this like this dramatically changes maybe what the Sixers do or don't do at the trade deadline as an example like absolutely if you are them now like do you add or do you not with if he's got a torn meniscus in his left knee depending on the procedure that goes forward this could be a I don't know a month or two or it could be something a lot more long term that has him ruled out for the entire season sort of thing so if that's the case then maybe the Sixers aren't a Zach Levine destination or an Alex Caruso destination, whatever it may be. So, uh, yeah, look, I have a lot of other thoughts about this, but I'll shelve them because this is a Bulls Bulls podcast and those other thoughts are more NBA-driven, let's say. So that sucks. 
that 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 really does suck. But uh, I think it also opens up the doors for a team like the Bulls. You know, I mean, they are right now in fifth place. They've lost four in a row. They're now going to be missing Embiid for you know at least four to six weeks with a meniscectomy. That's uh, the shorter version. I think that you can get them back like in within two months. But I mean, that's almost the rest of the season at this point. Um, so they could fall into the play-in. Now maybe you're playing them in the play-in uh, without Embiid, and that opens up some room against you know the Knicks or the Bucks in in the first round if they can get out of that. Uh, basically, like getting out of the eighth seed would be huge like if they could somehow get into right now they're two and a half games below orlando who is an eight right now the highest they could make it is to the eighth seed if they beat the hawks who are in 10 and then they beat the loser of the heat magic game that would get them to the a seed but if they could get into that seven eight game and win they would go to face the second seed and the bucks do not look very good right now to be quite honest i mean they've lost two in a row since doc rivers they just are kind of uh, all over the place and uh, although their record has been very good and they've won a lot of really close games like this team does not look invincible you've got teams like the Knicks and the Cavs kind of on their heels maybe the Sixers kind of fall down here a little bit um, there's definitely this is this is why you hang around I think to mm. take advantage of opportunities as they arise and as much as this is just awful news for Joel and for Sixers fans um, it's why you uh, as Dave would say that's why you go to the playoffs that's why you try to win yep exactly this this dramatically changes the east it dramatically changes the nba the uh the trade deadline more generally and the basketball more generally the playoffs all that sort of stuff so huge huge breaking news um yeah that's that's crazy uh, pivoting back to the bulls though <laughs> uh, who seemingly can't make trades that's what we're talking about william uh part of the issue here is they don't want optionality in some respects. Like we talked about the op- optionality you may gain by, uh, what's the name, trading Zach Levine. But you also limit your optionality if you're not prepared to maybe do a rebuild, as an example. Something that Arturus Kardashovas has said multiple times that he's not interested in. And is that because of his own ethos or is that something that's prescribed to him by ownership? Debatable, I suppose. Uh, but in, effectively, like it doesn't seem like that's a thing or a pivot move. So anything at the trade deadline, we shouldn't be expecting any moves. Well, maybe we shouldn't be expecting any moves more generally, but we shouldn't be expecting any moves like tearing things down at the trade deadline, which is why I would be shocked if they moved Demar or Caruso because that would be kind of a teardown type of move or at least a pivot to the younger guys, which I don't foresee happening. So if you don't want to rebuild, and you're not prepared to go all out to to get better, let's say, then you are stuck in the middle in some respects because you are stucking yourself in the middle. So this is a lot on them in just their direction and what they will or won't be able to do. So are we in this position just just due to the fact that this team is stubborn and doesn't want to pivot or do something differently? I mean, I think that's exactly what it is. But the the issue is that, you know, I think obviously their their money situation makes it difficult like they can't just go out and use the 20 million dollars in lonzo's contract to sign another player or the 40 million dollars in zach like that it doesn't work that way even with the does uh disabled player exception which they got for lonzo which they have the ability to use for 10.2 million like that pushes them into the tax if they use it they can't actually use the whole thing they would only be able to use like six million because they are mm-hmm. hard capped at the first apron. So even if they do decide to go into luxury tax, they can't really bring in a, a real impact player with that because uh, of the fact that they're hard capped right now because they used half the mid-level exception on Javon Carter. But you know maybe they used Carter and the exception to trade for a $10 million player or something like that. Um, but I think that that has seriously hamstrung where what they've been able to do. And I think they've tried to add very like marginal players on the fringes. I think they've done a good job in some cases, uh, not so good job in other cases. Like I, I had higher hopes for Javon. He obviously has not really produced, but Torrey Craig's been great. Um, Drummond has been very good this year. The thing is like, I, to me, I don't really think that trading Andre Drummond for like the 30th pick right now is like really going to change anything about their fortunes. Like you obviously have to replace him and find another backup center, but I don't think that's super hard to do. So 
I think that there are moves that they can make that they have not made because of their desire to get into the play-in tournament and to remain competitive. Do I think it's like a bad, uh, you know, objectively bad approach to try to be competitive every year and like make the playoffs that being like your goal every single season? No, I don't. But I think the problem is it's hard to do that over a long term when you're signing players in free agency or via trade that are in their mid thirties already. Uh, just the, the the shelf life on that sort of core is not very long. And so when guys go down and aren't able to play for two and a half years, and that's completely changed who you are as a team, it just becomes hard to justify from my standpoint, not making any changes to that approach as opposed to just like waiting it out and seeing to me, that feels like kind of wasted time. And obviously they've gotten really lucky here with the way Kobe has broken out and that really changing their approach and their time frame and their window. Um, and just like the quality of play and the, the level of enjoyment that we get out of watching this team. Um, all those things have changed with the way that Kobe's played, but yeah, I mean, I, to me, I think that there's always moves you can make. And I think they have, because they are so dead set on ending up where they want to end up and they have limited avenues anyway, like they're just, they put themselves in a position now where they, basically the only moves that they can make, take them out of what goals they want to accomplish. And so, yeah. you know, uh, sorry, just one more thing is that KC wrote yeah, that yeah. like, and he, and he said this a million times to me and just in general that, you know, the bulls inherited a rebuild. They did not want to do that. They got off of it right away. They tried to make the playoffs. They've been clear about that. Well, the other thing that they've been clear about is that mediocrity is not good enough and there's something has to give there. And whether that's just Kobe and maybe now Patrick takes a big step forward and they start to take over the team, like something has to give because you can't have it both ways where you're the ninth seed every year and you also don't think mediocrity is good enough. And so I think that's really the the disconnect and where they do still, they are kind of obligated to keep building towards something. Because ultimately my biggest issue right now is that it's not that they are like trying to build through the middle. It's not that they are trying to be competitive every year. They're just not building. They're letting life happen to them. They're, they're existing and they're not doing anything to try to like put themselves in a better position to succeed or fail or go up or go down. They're not doing anything. And I just, I don't know how long you can live that way, but apparently you can go five transaction periods. Well, I've been doing it for 36 years, William. So it is possible <laughs> to just exist and do nothing. And yeah, I mean, you're technically living, but you're not necessarily alive, but that's me. That's the Chicago Bulls. But uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. I just, I had, a, I had a real life affirming <laughs> when you were talking, then I was like, oh, fuck, you're just describing me and my existence. But yeah, I've completely lost the truth. <laughs> was it something about back, this how, is what I was like, this, okay. I, I remembered. I think something that's undiscussed as well, and this could be a motive, it might not be, or maybe I'm reading into this, but the fact that they owe a first round pick as well to the San Antonio Spurs is an undiscussed topic particularly for what their plans are trying to do, particularly, you know, they're still owing picks at this stage. Like we've, we've paid due for the Vucevic trade. We still got to pay for the DeMar stuff. So there's there's an aspect to that as well that, again, maybe people aren't thinking that far uh, far ahead or, or whatnot, but there is a part of me that thinks that this team wants to be as good as possible. Now, good in air quotes, based on the fact that they don't necessarily want to give the San Antonio Spurs a good draft pick. Now, obviously, it's top eight protected or top 10 protected, whatever the initial productions are. So there, there are some some caveats to it. But ideally, in the Bulls world, they're giving the Spurs the 17th pick or the 19th pick or something like that. But because you don't have, again, that optionality around what you're doing with your 2025 pick, if you have it in hand or if you don't, like we, we can't say that you can't say that they will have their 2025 first, or maybe that converts to a 2026 first, depending on how it all materializes. But like, that's something it has to be something that we as fans think about more generally before obviously clearly Arturus kind of service and, and, and Mark Eversley in terms of what they're trying to build, whether it's at the forefront of their mind or not, like this is an indirect flow and effect of, all right, am I, am I going to have my 2025 first round pick? Is that something I can use? Well, no, you can't currently use it. But if not, then are you trying to avoid giving that to the Spurs? And I, and I understand the whole sunk fallacy, sunk cost fallacy element to this, but it's very easy to say that, but it's it's hard to maybe ignore it too. So that's just something that maybe well, that, that has to do with their, this conversation. 
Totally, totally. I mean, that, that has to do with their aspirations. Like they, I think they are hoping they give that pick up next year, yeah. that it's not very good and that they can move forward with all their picks um, in, in their like treasure trove here, because obviously the one thing that they have been like fortunate to have not to not have done is to make a, another bad move. Like, I think there have been times where you and I have argued that they should have gone more all in at the 2021 or was it 2022 trade deadline? Um, yeah. When, you know, there was still potential for Alonzo and Caruso to come back and they were first place. Like that's a time where they could have done another win now trade and put themselves deeper in the hole and didn't. And that was a good thing. So it's sometimes the best move is the one that you don't make. And again, I think that's a fair argument, but I also think that there are smaller moves that you can make to improve or to kind of help fortify the direction that you're going that they also have not done. Obviously we don't know all the details of what deals have been made and what have not. Um, but just from my perspective, it seems like there's always something that you can do, whether it's clearing out money somehow so that you can make the next move or, you know, signing a free agent guy and then flipping him into a pick or something. There's like, there's always something that you can do. And I think right now, even if it's not trading Zach, even if they can't find the right deal for him, um, even if it's not trading DeMar Caruso, which again, I'm not saying they they absolutely have to do. Um, in fact, I think making a bad trade with one of those guys is is one of the worst things you can do um, because that, again, just like puts you in a, a tougher position down the line. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe it's just getting off Javon Carter's money and then that opens up a little bit more space to where you can do something this summer. Um, but they just, they are so tight up against that luxury tax right now. And it just is really tough for them to make any moves. And I think that's part of the frustration that like the fans are going to have to come to terms with is that like, maybe it's true that they just like don't want to make any moves or don't know what moves to make. But it's also true that they're in such a position right now where they can't really make any moves because of the way that they've managed their cap. I mean, quite frankly, this is not like just an accident. It's like the way that they've done it. Yeah, and look, I, I hate bringing them up as an example for obvious reasons, but I keep looking at what the Knicks doing. I mentioned it before and, you know, how they've slowly been building, how they've been adding guys via mid-level exceptions, via trades. But Jalen Bronson and Julius Randle just got named as all-stars. Two guys who I don't think anyone would say are lead options on a real team, or at least a championship-level team. I won't say they're not a real team because the Knicks are a real team. They're playing incredible basketball. Well, like that's an example whereby a team has slowly and methodically done some good stuff. They haven't done anything huge or seismic, but every move they've made, maybe have been smallish to medium-type level moves, but they've been they've been good ones. So even if there's scope here for the Bulls not to pay the tax or be this you know incredible high-spending team that some of us want them to be, like regardless of that like there still is scope to put something good together despite you know any limitations that ownership apply to Arturis Karnaschovas like ultimately he still has the ability to put together a good team and I think you know we can point to examples like the Knicks or the Cavs or a whole bunch of teams whereby they're not they don't have that you know top 10 guy let's say but these teams have found ways to do to hit more uh, I was going to use a baseball analogy, but then I re- realized I don't actually follow baseball and maybe I'd be wrong in saying that. But like, Can you do a Lewis Hamilton analogy? Well, no, I won't because that the Lewis Hamilton analogy is like a big swing. Like that's the Bulls are never doing that. Yeah, what's the what's the NBA equivalent of Lewis Hamilton joining Ferrari? The NBA that- equivalent of Lewis Hamilton joining Ferrari is Michael going from the Bulls to the Knicks in 1998. Like... It, this is the the equivalent. It's Michael in the last dance, the start of the 98, 98 seasons, 97, 98 season, announcing that in one year's time for the, the start of the 98, 99 season that he would be joining the Knicks. So this is not even happening now. This is happening in 12 months' time. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting away from the Bulls conversation that no one cares about everyone. But the point is, I think there's, 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 there's a lot of scope here for the Bulls to do things and, and, and uh, you know, improve on what they want to do it just means that they've got to bold in this <laughs> they've got to do it but they also can't have misses like they have been now kobe and the deal that they gave uh kobe is maybe somewhat equivalent to the jalen bronson thing 
Now, can you get your Julius Randle in the door? Uh, you can't have misses like the Javon Carter type thing. The Zach situation is compromising. The Knicks don't have a, a contract on their roster limiting what they can or can't do from that point of view. But can you do things like that where you bring in the right level of mid-level guys? Can you use your full mid-level exception? Can you make the right draft picks? Can you nail those things on the periphery to the point where you actually get to the point where, hey, I've got like a, a, a legitimate 10 to 12 roster here. I've got some players who are now appealing via trade and holy shit, I can now trade two of these guys for OG and Anobi and suddenly I've got Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, OG and Anobi and a cast of really good role guys that could put together a 50-win season. Like the Bulls have that that uh, ability to do that despite all their other constraints. But the issue is, one, they haven't been willing to do anything like that. And two, when they have made certain decisions, they've missed on them. So you, you just can't do that. Yeah, and they've, I mean, the Knicks are an interesting example because kind of like before they did all those things that like got Jalen Brunson, they collected draft picks. And so they're in a really good position right now where they've got Picks that, yeah, they may never convey from the Wizards and from the Pistons, but they're in a position now where every year they've got five picks that they can trade. And they're they're always going to be in a spot where they could be the team that swings for the next big star that becomes available. And yeah, I think it requires just hitting a bunch of singles. And the Bulls hit probably, you know, a double or a triple with Kobe, maybe a home run. I mean, by the end of that contract, that could just be you know, he could be the best player on the team and they're building around him on a $13 million a year contract, but they've got two more years to basically do that. You've got 34 year old DeMar coming up on free agency. You've got Vooch who's 33 and he's going to be uh, two more years on his deal. Like I, I do think at a certain point, if they are going to build something that can play like that, they've either got to do it like now so that it can happen with DeMar and with Vooch, or it's got to be, you know, set up a little bit further down the line or you you maybe leverage Damar into a player that can become part of that next core because just the time frames right now it's just tough and maybe Damar continues to play at this level for five more years through Kobe's prime and just defy the odds in that way maybe that's a possibility but again you still need to hit like you're saying on all these other moves and you can't afford to have any misses because right now like the Knicks biggest problem is that they've only got 18 million dollars to ship out Everybody else in their roster is like really important to them. And the only contract they can move is Evan Fournier. They can't move Mitchell Robinson right now or Isaiah Hartenstein. They can't trade Brunson or Randall or, um, you know, they've, they've moved everybody that they can move. They've got OG Ananobi. They've got Josh Hart. They've got DiVincenzo. They've got Brunson. They've got Randall. They can't move anybody except for Evan Fournier. And so they kind of have to make a move now just because like that's the way that their money situation works. So it'll be interesting to kind of follow whatever it is that they do, but like the bulls need to clear out a lot of space. And I do think in some ways it does start with making the decision on Zach. And yeah, I mean, if you can just get pure cap relief for him, maybe that makes sense because it helps you get to the next thing. And I think in a lot of ways, teams, whether it's the bulls or other teams there, there's like sort of this paralysis that prevents you from making the move that gets you to the next move. And I think that's something that the Knicks have done really well and it's a lesson that like not everything needs to be a home run. Like all these teams, all these fan bases are talking, oh, don't trade for Zach Levine. He's not the piece that puts you over the top. Don't trade for DeJounte Murray. He's not going to put you over the top. Sometimes it's just about getting better with every move and mm -hmm. keeping your options open so that you can make the next move after that. And now all of a sudden you've got DeJounte Murray and LeBron and AD and Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell's an expiring contract and you've opened up you know an extra pick that you can trade and now you can make another move where you, you're adding to that core and you're in a much better situation. So uh, I yeah. think, again, the fact that the Bulls have not put themselves in any positions to make that next move, it's like everything has to happen from within. And again, Kobe has been sensational this year. He has opened up new doors and new avenues for them. But now they've got to do right by him and put the right pieces around him. And they've got to make the right decisions that put him in the best position possible to succeed because otherwise you're just looking at the same team just with Kobe playing the way that he's playing and it's a much better team, but it's still a playing team. And yeah, I think they just, they have to make the next move that gets them to the next move. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And again, to use the Knicks as an example, like they've got that Fournier money to do something. They've got those picks. Can you turn Fournier and a pick or two into Malcolm Brogdon? Now Malcolm Brogdon isn't that big swing, 
But maybe Mel, to your point, like Malcolm Brogdon plus some stuff, including other future first round picks, can turn into something more substantial. So as long as you're consistently building, adding, making the right decisions, even if they can be passed as small or medium type things. But if you collect good things, you retain those good things. And if you have more wins and losses and you build something that is sustainable, then you can slowly get to the point where you can build something up uh, quite nicely as our friends in New York have done, which again, pains me to say, but uh, that is true. Uh, But let's call it a day, will you? Uh, It's been good catching up with you. Uh, Thank you for jumping on the show and uh, talking balls with me. Everyone in the comments on YouTube, appreciate you guys hanging out with us too, as always. Uh, everyone listening on Apple, Spotify, all that sort of stuff. We also appreciate you too. On your way out, hit the like button on YouTube. Don't necessarily do it for me, but do it for William and do it for Joseph. Uh, appreciate Joseph, who is now, I think this is like five or six weeks straight with Joseph. So uh, things are on the men's there. We're all back on board. Appreciate Joseph for hitting all the buttons, doing that thing. Find William on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. I was going to say <laughs> the Gottlieb there. Uh, we are at CHGO underscore balls. I'm at MK Hoops. Uh, there he is. The goon of the night, young Joseph. Right. That award has jumped the shark. Big Dave, pick up your game, mate. Pick up your game. Let's see how long how he gets to hold on Joseph? to it. Joseph Goon of the night. Anyways, let's call it a day. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, the guys will be back on the weekend when the Bulls are playing a basketball game. Who uh, I forgot who they're playing. Who they're playing on Saturday? Got the Kings on the Saturday. Sacramento Kings. That's who it is. So uh, big, uh, big Dave, Matt, and William will have you uh, covered with all that is going on from that point of view. But our fans, uh, we oh, I've been having fun talking to you all. Maybe we'll be doing this again next week when we're at the trade deadline. This time next week, talking about the Bulls doing nothing. But let's wait and see. All right. See ya. Bye. We all silly like the mayor. 